Happy summer, pivoters. Hey, the Pivot Me team, we're taking a handful of weeks off to spend a little more time with our family and friends. We're talking about time at the lake, paddleboarding, mountain biking, and living our best lives. But hey, good news. We are working on some amazing new episodes, and we have some rock star guests lined up, which we will be releasing very soon. Until then, we wanted to bring back a few of our favorite episodes. Enjoy. Today on Pivot Me, we are super excited for our guest, Ian Koniak. Um, Ian, you have this very well-rounded and extremely successful sales career as a top performer. Just from a revenue perspective alone, you've sold more than $100 million, uh, 17 years of B2B tech sales. You've been a sales manager, a sales uh, director, account executive. You've had the opportunity to experience sales from all angles and business from all angles, both selling, teaching others to sell, and managing those who are already good at sales. Um, we'd love to talk about both your sales background, the habits and, and, and tools that you use to enjoy the success, but also how you got here, um, some pivotal moments in your career or in your life that um, have shaped the journey that you've been on and and how you ended up here. Tell us about your background. Have you always dreamed of being in sales? Is it just your incredibly uh, outgoing and great with bonding and rapport? Or did you just kind of find yourself in sales? It's funny. I think I don't know how many people dream of be going into sales. Right? I think I wanted to be a baseball player growing up, but that <laughs> didn't pan out because I'm not that athletic. So um, sales, it's funny because most people I ask, uh, I don't even know if they teach sales in, in most colleges or whatnot, but I definitely didn't dream of it. It was something that I, um, needed to do out of necessity. I was, uh, in, uh, a relationship before I went into sales, I was teaching English in South America for a year after, after college, I, I studied psychology. I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to travel. So I, I found a program through UC Berkeley that sent me off to Venezuela where I taught English for a year and I happened to fall in love when I was there. And the only options were to stay in Venezuela and pursue that relationship or to come back to the US and figure out a way to bring this woman from Venezuela who did not have a visa and did not have any other means except me to get to the US um, over. And so I chose the latter because uh, Venezuela is dangerous and it wasn't a place where you know, I, I didn't want to just live there forever. So I said, you know, how can I um, make enough money to bring this woman over? And the they weren't giving out work visas um, at the time, and she didn't have the work experience to get one. So it was the only way to get her here would be a student visa, which meant putting her through college, showing that I had the income to support her and sponsor her to be here. And I was 23 years old with no experience. So I said, well, where can I go to make as much money as possible to be able to save and put somebody through college and support both of them at the tender age of 23. And that led me to um, B2B sales at, at that time. So it was very, very much a, um, you know, the only thing I could get that let me, what I loved about sales and I still love to this day is that you ultimately get paid for your performance. And it's not like I have to go beg a boss to get a raise. My raise becomes effective when I am. And so um, that was what drew me into the career of sales and, and 17 years later, uh, I'm still here and I've had a quite the exciting journey along the way, but that's how I got started. Wow. That's amazing. I had no idea. What a, yeah, what a backstory. <laughs> um, random, uh, side note. My husband was actually born in Caracas. So, um, strange Venezuelan connection as well. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. I lived in uh, Barquisimeto, which is a smaller town, but it was, it was a great, I mean, I love, I love the culture there. It was a, it was an amazing year. The whole, the whole time I was just living to the fullest. So 
That's amazing. So it sounds like, um, at least at the time, both love and the desire for for a sustainable income drove you into sales. But obviously, lots of different things have have kept you in it. Did you find that you were naturally good at it, or did you have to, you know, books and seminars and and things to get good at sales? I think that's a really really good question. I think, um, you know, I thought a lot about this recently. Like, are you born successfully? You born with these habits or personality? And I think just certain there's certain attributes and successful people, be it business owners or sales or whatever it is that can make you naturally more effective with influencing and communicating. And those were skills that I had, right? Those are things like being um, driven, number one, right? Can you teach drive? I was very driven, even from a young age. I've, I've always, you know, wanted to really, really um, go after what, what it, whatever it was that I was going, going after at the time. And, and I don't know how many people are naturally driven, but that was one attribute. The second thing was just my personality. I've always been more of a leader and more of a trailblazer, someone who sets the pace rather than following others, even if it means, um, you know, getting made fun of or maybe not being accepted um, with, with people along the way, because I'm not afraid to be different. I'm not afraid to do different things. I definitely don't follow the general um, herds, if you will. And that's what brought me to Venezuela by myself. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have family. I just said, I want to go travel. And I took off. And a lot of times society um, you might look down upon that type of um, deviation, if you if you will, but it's really actually a really good quality in sales because you, you have to be thick-skinned. You have to be able to deal with rejection and not really care what people think because you're pursuing something. And then just general personality, being outgoing and, and friendly and caring about people. These are things that you can't necessarily teach. You can have a personality that really lends itself well. And, and I've always had those kind of things um, that I think helped me accelerate in sales, but that's not enough, right? The, the success habits, the skills, the techniques, all of the, you know, the attributes that have made me and helped me sustain a very, you know, um, prolific career in sales are not just the personality because you, you can't, you know, half, I would not say half, probably 80% of success is not just in your personality or, you know, the way you're wired. It has to do with how you live and the habits that you form and um, work ethic and, you know, ability to um, gain the right skills and practice and experience. And that all came with, with time. And so so it's a loaded question because I, I do think um, some people are naturally better fit for an industry like sales or owning a business than others. And I was definitely wired that way. Yeah. And, you know, and even if we pan out farther than just sales and just look at the success that you've had, that seems intentional. That seems designed. Did you, what did you have to go out? So you said you had some natural skills that lended itself, your personality, leadership, drive, those things definitely do lend itself to being more successful in, in the sales arena. Mm-hmm. But in general, there, there was obviously skills that you had to acquire along the way that weren't maybe innate to you. Yeah. Were you uh, intentional about going out and getting those skills? How did that work? Was it books, mentors? How did you get those skills? I think it's experience, really. I mean, one of the skills which I sucked at, and I remember this April, um, when I became a manager, this is back in 2007, you know, 12 years ago, um, I was a best rep. I was number one in the in the company. I finished number one for three years. I'd been crushing it. And I was kind of there was a few reasons that led me to go into leadership, but a lot of it was financial. They changed their comp plan and, you know, you could actually make more money as a manager than as a rep. 
And I, I said, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this because you guys just changed the comp plan. So it was, I don't know if I would have become a manager for the, the real reasons that you should, which is developing people and helping and growing and wanting to move up within the company. I, I didn't really care about that. I was still, you know, more, more ego driven. So when I, when I became a manager, I expected everyone to work the same way that I worked with the same intensity, drive, focus. And when they didn't, I would blow up. I remember I would yell. I'd just be so intense and people were almost scared of me. And that's something that I've really had to work on because I I just, um, you know, I could have got myself in trouble with HR, but not only that, it's like, what about like the ability to connect and relate to people? There's different people who get motivation from elsewhere. You can't just hammer someone and, you know, whip them and expect them to work the way you do. That doesn't work. So really being in leadership forced me to um, really work on my skills of, of being able to understand and empathize and meet people where they were and then help them, you know, get their own sense of motivation. Cause that's something I realized very quickly is you can't teach motivation, but you can teach people to want to better their own life and help them realize there is a path, you know, for themselves that if you believe in somebody and you see something even more so than they see it themselves, it's amazing how you can bring people along with you and, and help them. So like communication skills and empathy and, active listening and really trying to relate like those are something that definitely didn't come natural for me because I, I thought everyone sh- you know should be wired like me or want their own success but that's just not the reality people are just different you know um, levels of, of the continuum in terms of, of drive and work ethic and even skills and abilities right so being able to get the best out of each person is something that I had to be in management for you know for five plus years to really um, hone in and realize that, look, you've got to just lighten up on people, be nice to people, be kind and caring. And, you know, I'm so I'm not ashamed of it. But like, when I look back at what I was in the beginning of leadership, those leadership and communication skills to like, drive people to, to, to perform at their very best were definitely stuff that I, I did not work on. And, and the second part of your question was, you know, I, I have, always been into self-development. So, you know, I, for example, I, I took my team, um, when I just first started being a manager, I take, I took them to Tony Robbins as a, um, as a group event to really help them realize like what was possible for their own lives. I took them to, um, selling conferences. I would always bring in, you know, I, I would be doing a lot of the teaching, um, based on my own learnings and share it with the team in Monday meetings. And so a lot of that, um, I think I, I have gone outside to develop my own skills, but I think you can only read and you know learn so much in a book or watching a YouTube video. The, the best way to to learn and to grow is to get that experience. So I think a lot of this the skills that I've enhanced over time have been through more of my mindset of like always having a beginner's mindset and saying, look, I don't know maybe how to lead a team. So let me learn from the best. Let me get mentorships. Let me really try and. Um, you know, take a beginner's mind in, into this next challenge. And that's something that, again, if you're stubborn, if you just think you know it all, you don't have a chance. You're done before you start. So I've always kind of brought that into whatever role that I've t- taken. And that's been one of my formulas for success, regardless of where I've been um, in company or in role. Wow. The portrait that you're painting of, of you at the beginning of this before, you know, you said it took about five years of you being in a managerial role before you really got this. The portrait that you're painting of that guy pre that five years sounds so different than the man that's got the beginner's mindset. And I got to tell you, me personally, I'm kind of surprised to hear this because what I've known, you know, we we know each other, we've sat next to each other through many meetings and workshops and things. I 100% see you as someone with this beginner's mindset and really eager and open to learn, to contribute, but also to listen, um, to teach and to be taught. So 
as is as is the case, we all have a starting point. It just uh, it's interesting mm-hmm. to hear the contrast of of where you started versus where you are now. And it's also a good reminder for those of us out there that are listening right now that are maybe Ian, um, however many years ago that was. If you're that version of Ian, where um, and this happens a lot in sales roles where you're a very good salesperson and then you're put into a managerial role and it's a, it's a completely set, different set of skills, right? And um, not always those who can do really, really well are, are those who can manage really, really well. And it's a whole different set of skills that we've got to go out and get or learn on the job or however that's cultivated. But if you are listening right now and you are someone that is where Ian was before, just know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel because the Ian that we see today is is very different than that. I mean, I, I just, I'm glad you shared that because it, it surprised me and it's good for listeners to hear that. Yeah, you're so, you're so right, April. I mean, it, like, like I said, not to say I'm ashamed of the person because I wouldn't be here today if I didn't go through that journey, but I was, yeah, I was, I was just not nice. Right. <laughs> and I think I helped a lot of people and I, I, um, definitely impacted a lot of lives. I still have people come to me to this day and tell me, you know, they got their start in sales because of me and the motivation that I gave them and showing them how to do it. But I was not patient. I was not tolerant. I was not empathetic. And, you know, that, that's something that, um, when I look at who I am now and how I communicate now, it's just day and night, my being married, having a son and having some of the experiences I've had in the past, I'd say, three years in particular, April, have really propelled me onto this like, you know, exponential journey of, of beginner's mind. I, I, this is really the past three years when all this really started taking shape for me. So I, there, I did a lot the past three years that I've never done my whole career that have just taken my career 3x in terms of performance and also just life lifestyle and what I'm doing with my life. So it, it really did start. I had my awakening when I was probably, you know, 37 years old. Um, and now it's just been a a wonderful, you know, ride since, since that time. Wow. Well, I want to hear more about your awakening, but I want to also point out something that I think is really interesting. Um, when you were saying to your point earlier, when you were saying about, Hey, when I was, I was a very, I was very good in sales. And then I took over management and I couldn't understand why people didn't have the same motivation or drive. And, um, (laughs) that definitely resonates, um, with many listening. And what I heard was that it's not just about modeling the behavior that you wanted to see your team, because we can do that. But that's sort of assuming that people are wired the same way. What I heard was as a manager, you had to learn to meet people where they were. Like you you still wanted them to travel a distance, but they all started at different points. So you're encouraging them to travel their yeah. distance, but you had to meet them where they were. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest, um, if you take one thing away from this podcast as a manager, meeting people where they were before you can do that you have to care where they are you have to take time to understand where they're at where they want to go and that's what i didn't do i tell them here's how you need to go and here's what you need to do but really understanding where they were what they were dealing with what their goals are what their current state was what their struggles were right just people don't care what you know until they know you care and that was something that i learned over time is you really need to take the time to care about your employees and really that's step one because no one will follow you out into you know, the, the treacherous, you know, places of, of battle, unless they really, you know, know that you're, that you got their back. So I think it's really important before you can even meet them, you need to ask where they are and, and show some understanding and empathy and concern and just wanting to get to know your, your people at, at a level that's beyond just business. So that's something I, I've done very, very effectively um, in the course of my career, just like 
just asking people, you know, hey, what do you want? Like, what's next for you? Where are you going? What, what does it mean if you can get there? Wow, that's 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 really sage advice from a managerial perspective, regardless of the role or the industry. And I'm just thinking about recently, I saw um, Chris Hogan speak at the the Rise Business Conference, and he he made a comment. He he had this phrase, and as soon as he said it, I think every manager in the room just shook their head and went, "Oh my god, I know exactly what he means." He said, "Don't do drive by leadership." And he said, when you kind of walk and like, hey, how are things going? And you're kind of just still passing by and you don't actually stop and listen to your staff on how things are going. What can I help you with? How do I help remove roadblocks? And so that that concept really stuck with me of don't do drive by leadership. Would you like to see the behind the scenes footage of the Pivot Me interviews? We have launched April Garcia Pivot Me on YouTube. Take 10 seconds now and go to YouTube and enter April Garcia Pivot Me or enter it directly at youtube.com backslash April Garcia Pivot Me. You can see all the guest interview with Jay Abraham, Sharon Lecter, Cameron Harold, John Lee Dumas. We are releasing new videos every Tuesday. Go ahead and stream with us. Hop on and join us. And please support us by giving that thumbs up and subscribing. It really does matter. And you are going to love these videos. Thanks for joining Pivot Me on YouTube. So we were going to talk about some some dramatic changes or some pivotal moments in your life. Um, maybe what they what those were, if it was uh, whether it was a business shift, um, sometimes it's a personal shift. Oftentimes those two things are are pretty interconnected. But it sounds like there was kind of a before Ian and there was an after Ian. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Sure thing. So um, without getting too personal, uh, let's just say I, I had had a history of self sabotaging. Um, my career has always been really successful in terms of my um, revenue and my income, but I would do things in my personal life. Um, and I have a whole theory on this as well. I think people who are high achievers need an outlet that enables them to release all of their stress. And, you know, and you see, unfortunately, some people in the news with very destructive out- outlets, and there's people that have very positive outlets. And mm-hmm. throughout, we'll call it um, most of my life, I would have destructive out- outlets. I would go um, party really hard. My philosophy was like work hard and play hard and I would drink too much and I would go out and, um, unfortunately like my temper would flare up sometimes. And I think there's a few kind of moments in my life when I really, um, realized that even though I was successful financially and, and with my career, there were other parts of myself that I wasn't happy with. And so about three years ago, uh, in, in almost this time, you know, in, in 2016, I had been coming off a um, a good year. It wasn't a great year. Um, it was uh, I finished like 96 percent of my plan, and you know, in in hindsight, you know that that I had one deal that I that I was like literally waiting till midnight at the customers to try and get this thing signed on the last day of the year. And the guy couldn't sign because um, his boss was in China and he was on a family vacation. And I remember I felt so defeated and so empty and just like really like did not know where to, where to turn. And what I realized in that moment is my entire like concept of self-worth and how I feel about myself is tied to my performance at work. And if I don't hit my numbers, I feel crappy. I didn't have 
much else. Even though I had a wonderful life and I had recently gotten married and that year I had a, a baby, I still had this overwhelming sense of like, I'm only as good as my performance at work. And then I realized like that, that I was not okay with that. I said, look, I don't know what I need to do, but I, ne- I know I need some help, right? Not only performing at a higher level at work, but also um, just like really understanding what else could make me happy. Cause I, f- I felt like I was always chasing and chasing and chasing. And when I hit my numbers, I was happy. And when I didn't, I wasn't happy. And I, it was like this emotional roller coaster of endless, like being in a hamster wheel um, where your, your, you know, entire mood is, is tied to your performance. And, mm. and I decided that at that point I would just let go of control. That's where the beginner's mind really kicked in. April was when I said, you know what, I need some help. And I, made an investment. I paid, I think, $20,000 to join a mastermind called Epic Impact. And this was a program that was really designed for salespeople that knew they wanted more in life, that knew they were capable of performing at a much higher level, not only in business, but in life. And that was kind of the beginning of my journey into this really intense world of like self-development. And and um, that's really when it all started. And since that period of time, it's been roughly three years. And I've um, my income literally has tripled since then. My marriage has gotten, you know, is, is, is so much better in, in terms of my relationship with my wife and my son. I've been able to get healthier than I've ever been. And I just feel like I've unlocked the secret of what the secret of life. I really do. And there's wow. not, it's not one secret. That's a hint, but a lot of secrets that for me have just made me into such a more well-rounded person. But at the same time, I, I killed it at work the past three years. I've, I've literally, I finished number one last year in the year before I was in the top five um, at Salesforce, which is a global fortune 500 company. And, and it's just been, and this year is like, it's just been like almost too good to be true. I bought a, a nice home. I've had real estate investments. I'm redoing my backyard. All this stuff's kind of happened to me since I've really taken a step back and, and made some major investments. So that's that's what I'm excited to talk about and, and share really what the past three years has looked like versus my first 17 years, you know, in, in my career, because that's made all the difference for me. Sure, sure. Well, let's talk about those three years. So um, it sounds like there's a few things that were a catalyst to that. And I appreciate you sharing that because that's, everybody always wants to know what the, what that, what that catalyst was, what the, and usually there's, there's a host of things, right? It's not necessarily one thing. It's a variety of things that all lined up and said, okay, now this is when we say this is the direction or enough's enough, whatever that looks like. So um, is, was it specific things that you got from the mastermind from you looking into, okay, what the change needs to be? Was it a mindset shift? What, what, what was it that made you um, take such a different path? It was a mindset shift, right? The, the entire mastermind, their premise um, and what they focus, focus on is creating a, an environment. They do these um, retreats every, every uh, three months. So I went on, I went on eight retreats with them over um, the course of a couple of years. It was all about being able to um, really tap into what is your true, true gifts? What is your vision that you see for your life? You know, really like imagine what is possible, what's holding you back. And I think I, I did a lot of like, I started to believe, right? I started to believe in the power that I had. I started to really believe in the, the vision that I set forth. And I started to invest a ton of like time and effort in terms of learning and developing and like reading and going to, um, I, I got a coach and I had coaching every week. And I also had group coaching and it was just um, a true, what the, the stuff that they teach 
is all about, you know, um, you know, things like uh, how to be healthier, you know, how to incorporate a morning routine, meditation and prayer, uh, going through and really um, recalibrating your vision and understanding like what it is that you want, what's your fullest potential. If, if life, you know, if you were to die um, and fast forward and you were sitting on your deathbed, deathbed what would you want to say that you, you know, you accomplished and how close are you to, you know, going down that road right now? Are you on track? And it was like taking that step back and really causing me to like reevaluate, you know, what was important to me and, mm-hmm. and, what I wanted out of life. I was always just running really short. Like what's today going to bring? What's tomorrow? What's this month? What's this year? But I was never really looking at like, you know, what, what is my true potential on this planet? And since I've started to realize that um, for me, I was blessed with certain gifts and, and to really use them to the fullest capability is to maximize my impact on this planet. And so that's the kind of stuff that they taught. And um, you know, the, the, the whole purpose of why I'm doing my videos on Instagram and any of this stuff is really about, um, giving back and serving and teaching and leading and using my gifts to, you know, make, make and help, um, improve the lives of other, other people. And so I think, um, I was just so concerned with me forever that the, the concept of serving others and truly, you know, living with a service first mindset was, was foreign to me. And that's, that's been the, one of the major shifts that I've made. And in addition to some of the habits and the daily practices that I take in, in terms of my, my own um, business and my own life. Wow, Ian, thank you for um, your honesty and your vulnerability, because that's not a fun thing to admit. <laughs> that's not a fun thing to say. <laughs> hey, this is how I was before. And, you know, uh, we, and and that's the thing. We've all got that those sides of us and those stories. And I just really want to, uh, yeah, remark on the courage that it takes to say, well, that that needed to change, and I did because a lot of people we just want to talk about our highlights and like the after, but there's always a before story. So I appreciate you um, totally. being vulnerable and showing up in that way. So as far as um, some of the habits that you still do today, so um, I, I know you have a pretty strong morning routine. I've definitely seen you um, on Instagram stories many times talking about it. Can you walk us through what your average day looks like? How you set yourself up for success? Obviously, um, you don't just wait to find success. You're very intentional about designing it. What does that look like for you? I think um, even before the day starts, it's it's knowing um, the night before what your next day looks, lo- mm-hmm. looks like. So it starts the evening before, right? If, mm-hmm. if I know I have to be up at 6.30 um, for a big meeting at 7.30, right? Then I'm going to be still getting up at 5.30 a.m. Um, to to give enough time to practice my morning routine, so it's just really simple before going to bed, making sure that my um, you know my next day I, I know what I need to do, and sometimes that'll propel me you know to plan out my my day the night before. Sometimes it's a matter of just knowing when to wake up, but it starts with getting a good night's sleep, right? I always try to sleep at least seven to eight hours, minimum seven. Um, and, and make sure I understand what my day looks like so I know when I need to go to bed. Um, another thing is, is real simple. I put my phone away. I have my phone set to, um, you know, to quiet time between 10.30 and 6.30. So it's eight hours without a phone, so I'm not staring at my phone first thing when I wake up or when I go to bed at night, and that gets me in a certain mindset of you know, being focused and present versus just you know, falling asleep next to my phone. And mm. it, it does make a difference in terms of um, you know, even, even um, the white – you know, what white light and, and just your brain's ability to turn off, you know, versus staring at your phone right before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. So those two things kind of start at night. And then when I, when I wake up in the morning, um, I'll usually, uh, incorporate three things into my, my 
keep it simple, right? No less than three. I don't need a list of 30, but <laughs> at least three things into my morning routine, right? The first is just um, prayer, right? Being For me, prayer means being thankful for what I have. So every single day without fail, I will, um, and it's usually I'll just do it when I'm in the shower in the morning, is I'll, I'll pray for, it's a gratitude prayer. I'll, I'll thank God for the blessings that I have, for my family, for the gifts he's given me um, or she's given me, the, and for the opportunity to really, you know, help other people um, and just like kind of ground myself in, in gratitude. Second thing I'll do is I'll state my daily affirmation, which reminds me why I do what I do and, and really um, making the most out of today, right? I think every day is a new beginning, and um, that's my goal every day is to maximize my time and to, um, you know, to focus on the things that matter most during the day. And then the third thing I'll do is before I start my day, I'll, I'll look at my – I have a whiteboard in front of my computer, and I'll um, write out um, the most important things to do that day. And it's, it's not busy work. It's not to-do list. It's really like, okay, who are the people that I need to connect with today? What are the deals that I need to move forward today? What are the open items that, you know, are follow-up items? And I'll just kind of brain dump them on my whiteboard and then I'll prioritize and I'll basically put them in my calendar on the white space. So as an entrepreneur or a salesperson, you have pretty much, you're setting your own schedule, right? So for me, it's about, okay, what are the key priorities today? And filling in that white space so that I don't have any blank time on my calendar because where I self-sabotage is when I have nothing due immediately, you know, that day or, you know, if I have a big meeting, of course I'm getting ready for it. But if I don't, right, it's like I tend to pro- procrastinate. So mm-hmm. for me to like set my schedule in advance at the beginning of the day has been absolutely huge. And then I, I also, um, when I'm getting ready in the morning, when I'm, oh, I'll make a shake, I'll do a protein shake and uh, green. So I, I'm not having a big, heavy breakfast. It's, it's very energizing for me. Um, and then when I, when I am making my shake and when I'm, you know, going, going through and just getting ready in the morning, typically I'm playing a podcast. I'm playing, um, you know, some, some type of, I listen to Ed Milet or Lewis Howes, or I'll have a audio book that I'm going through and it's always self-development or sales training. Typically those are kind of the themes that I run on. So I'm getting myself in the right mindset. I'm expressing gratitude. I'm planning my day out, right? If you do that every day, you can't lose. You just cannot lose. And that, those are the habits that I've been really incorporating over the past couple of years that have made a big difference in, in just being productive every day. Yeah, that sounds amazing. That's a, um, yeah, no, thank you for sharing. That's exactly. And what's interesting is when you look at high performers, there's a trend, right? I mean, it's not, there's not nearly as much alchemy as, as some may think. It's, there's actually some pretty predictable things that tend to go hand in hand. And it's, you know, having a morning routine and prioritizing your day and, and being focused more on a results list versus a to-do list, things that actually move the needle versus uh, you know, busy work, which, you know, it's very easy to get sucked into. So thanks for walking us through that. Um, it sounds really simple. It sounds really simple, but it takes, it takes discipline. Sure. Go do that every day, go do something every single day and you'll see what you're made of. Right. For me, it's like, I thought that's the big di- difference is like, I think I know it. I just do things like if you repeat the same thing over and over again, you expect different results you know, good luck. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, okay, what, what are the books that I need to read? Who are the people I need to learn from? And I've kind of just like incorporated, you know, like little tips and tricks from people and, and made it my own, right. It's not about following one person's morning routine. You have to figure out what works for you. And for this, this works really well for me. And I will sprinkle an exercise too, if I can. So I teach a spinning class and the days where I'm not spinning at night, cause I teach that at night, I'm usually going for a run for 20 minutes or going on my Peloton bike and doing a workout. Cause again, that, that gets me the right energy 
that I need to go out and, you know, crush the day. Um, so that's the other thing I, I forgot to mention. I love that you teach a spinning class. <laughs> I just got to like, hold on a second. Stop the phone. You teach a spinning class? It's crazy. How, yeah. <laughs> okay. I just, I need to know like my own curiosity. How did you end up teaching a spinning class? Because I loved it. I mean, I always loved spinning and then I didn't like the music instructors played. So I'm like, well, I can just teach this. So I got certified and then I did all my own playlists. And sure enough, <laughs> here we are nine years later. So that was what started it for me. I'm like, these instructors aren't that good. They don't play that good music. <laughs> Let me just do it on my own. So it's kind of funny. Oh God, I love yeah. Love it. Fun, fun, fun fact. <laughs> that is a fun fact. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about with that, putting your phone away at night, and there, there is so much research to support that. Do you use your phone as an alarm clock or do you have a separate alarm clock? I, um, I have a separate alarm clock that I, that I set. Okay. And I'll put my phone in, I'll put my phone in the other room typically. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that as a trend as well. So I just wanted to clarify on that. And I love the prayer and the gratitude in the morning. Um, it really does just set the pace for, for your day and what we train our eye on, we see, we see more of. And so when we started in gratitude, um, it just, it puts us on the right foot, right? It's so easy to wake up and our eyes open and we immediately think of all the things that need to get done. Uh, and it contributes to this feeling of being behind, totally. which, um, both, practicing gratitude in the morning and also putting your phone away um, can really help combat that feeling of, oh, I'm behind. Oh, how am I ever going to catch up? You know, yeah. I love that practice. Yeah. The, the gratitude and, and even having faith, I would not call myself um, a religious person, but I think I definitely am spiritual. And that has been more recent for me. You know, it's been a lot more recent. I feel like um, unless you have something else that you're working for unless you have like you know yes we all want money we all want freedom we all want you know the luxuries in life but unless you feel like you know there's a person or a purpose or something bigger than you it's really hard to tap into that next level of, of performance at least for me it's been so once i started truly you know realizing that like i almost have a calling or an obligation to help others mm. and it's not it's bigger than me it's bigger than my family it's bigger than my work right that's when i've really excelled in in terms of um, some of the stuff I've been doing recently. So that's that's been important is just to have some faith or something you believe in that's bigger than you as to why you're doing what you're doing. Sure. Uh, so you said that that's a relatively new thing for you. Was there was there a, a catalyst for that as well? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you asked. Um, I, about a year ago, almost a year ago, December 28th, uh, 19, well, not 19, December, already in 2000. I was going right along with it too. December December 28th, uh, 2018. So I was, um, you know, I've always believed in God, but I didn't really know what that meant for for me, right? It was just like, you know, something, there was these like serendipities or coincidences or, you know, I always said the the universe will help you get what you want if you, you know, put your best foot forward and, and you work hard and like it never really showed up for me like as explicit as um, it did, you know, December 28th. So I was, it was a long, um, long day to say the least. So the day started with me listening to a podcast on Lewis Howes. It was by Bronnie Weir and it was called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And Bronnie was a, um, she's a hospice nurse and she interviewed a lot of people on their deathbeds and she wrote a book about kind of the main five things people we're regretting when they're dying. One of those things is like not living the life you've always wanted to, not pursuing your dreams, not going after what it is, but really living for other people rather than, you know, for, for your heart's desire. So I was, um, I've always kind of wanted to really help others and teach and truly um, make an impact by writing a book or starting a podcast or really just 
like taking the wisdom that I've learned over you know the course of my career and sharing it so I can truly help people live their best life and also avoid some of the mistakes that I had to made the hard way through some of the things that I self-sabotage. So this was already on my mind, you know, what, what can I live? And, and I'd always been like wanting to get around to it. Like when will I start teaching? When will I do that podcast, et cetera? And um, I went to Magic Mountain that day with my brother and we went on a ride called Tatsu. And Tatsu is, is what you call a flying coaster. And in, in a flying coaster, the track is above you rather than below you. So you're literally hanging like you're Superman. The, the cart fly, flies forward and all your weight is on um, this, this bar over your shoulders. And so literally, um, you feel like you're flying and you're staring straight to the ground. And I'm afraid of heights. And I was afraid of this ride in particular because I have this massive fear that you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, the overhead bars are going to, are going to let go on the ride and I'll be flung off or something like that. Cause all your weight's hanging on it. And so I get on the ride and we get up going up, up, up to the top and it stops, um, 180 feet, um, staring down. So 18 stories staring straight down the ride stops. And we all thought it was, you know, part of the ride that it would just stop and then you'd take off, but it didn't take off the ride got stuck. And so here I am hanging 18 stories upside down. Um, and I was literally petrified for my life. I, I thought the thing was going to break. And there's all these you know, people in the ground looking up, screaming, you guys okay? You know, Hang in there. And people started videotaping it and put it on YouTube and all this. I mean, it was a very big deal because it, it, broke, it broke down at the very height of this roller coaster right before the big drop. And so we're hanging upside down and blood rushes to my head. And at that moment, like I just started praying and I truly like thought about my son and my wife and how much work I had left to do on this earth. And that was like, that was my catalyst. I said, I, I can't wait anymore. I promise. You know, after 30 minutes of being hung upside down, I started praying. Um, and I said, I won't wait anymore. I'll do whatever I can right now to start using my gifts to help other people. I truly believe that I'm meant for something bigger here. And um, at that moment, the ride took off. And I was like, that, that's crazy, right? And then that evening, um, you know, after, after uh, it was very intense. I mean, it felt like I had PTSD or something hanging off that ride. But that evening, um, I, I went home to my wife and um, our dog, the little, little dog that we had, uh, 18 years old, died that evening. So I begin the day thinking about death and how to maximize your life. I think I'm going to die and then my dog dies. So it's just like reminded me of the fleeting, like how short life could be. And if you don't go after what it is that you want, like ultimately you're going to have a lot of regrets at the end. And so in that moment, I decided, you know, to start giving back and to start, you know, doing things like going on podcasts and um, creating videos. And it's really been, you know, the past year that I stepped into this next level of, of, of service, we'll call it. And um, I've done the same thing with my clients, right? Really trying to serve and be a vessel for their business success. And it's just kind of been compounding, you know, year after year. Started three years ago, but this past year has really been, you know, wow, like how can I truly help help maximize? And, and that's including, you know, giving up some addictions that I've had. And it's just been like, since I've had this faith in God, I, I feel like it's it's not about me anymore so much as it is about um, being the example, being the model for a lot of people who have, you know, gone through some of the struggles that I've gone through and who need my leadership. So it's, uh, it's made a huge, huge difference in my life to have that faith and just that belief. And that's why I pray every day is just to remind myself of, you know, that this isn't all coincidental.
Wow, that is amazing. What a story, Ian. Oh, my God. Okay, I just have to ask you, did did the dro- ride drop? Like once it started again, you said it began. <laughs> did you guys then have to do the drop? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, we did the drop. And I was like, thank God, we're moving. And we're going on the ride. It was it was awful. I mean, it really was. It was just like, I mean, I literally hanging for my life. And I have pictures if you ever want to see it. It was, it was the worst. Oh my God. Um, but it was the best because it propelled me. It's like, it's like life. And it's funny because I've unfortunately, I've had people pass. Um, my, my stepdad is in the hospital right now and, you know, he has pneumonia and he's going to be okay. Um, thankfully, but like, I, I've just, my, I lost my dad, you know, when I was really young, I was only 19 and the boss who hired me at Salesforce passed away this year. And I've just seen, um, too much young death from these patterns that I was living. Right. Mm-hmm. And this, this high stress, high anxiety, high life, like, just you know, they were entrepreneurs. My dad owned the business. My um, my cousin Adam died at forty seven. It's really wow. really sad. But I've seen people go down this path that I kind of was on, and I know where it leads. So it's like you know, the, what I'm doing and how I'm living right now is the polar opposite. Yes, it's high stress, high performance, but I'm also incorporating things in my life that keep me grounded and healthy. And, you know, I'm just trying to do what I can, but I'm very aware that life can be taken from you in a, in a moment's notice. And mm-hmm. um, for me, it's very motivating and encouraging to go out and go after what I want to get instead of waiting and, and sticking around, right? Because life life will fly by. Yeah, no, that's really profound. You know, I just got to speak to this really quick because we, um, in some ways, we have very similar backgrounds. And as someone who has a lengthy sales background as well, it, it's funny because when you start and it's really fast paced, and I'm, uh, I think we probably have a lot of similarities from our past. It, it's it's fun, right? It's fun and it's it's fast and it's sexy and it's. Um, I used to work for a company and they they loved referencing it as we were the w- wolf of Wall Street. Um, in some ways, not in all regards, but it, and that was funny, right? And it's funny in your twenties and might even be funny in your thirties. Um, but then you see it to start you see it starting to catch up with people, right? The, the, the life, the, the pace, the sleep, the things that kind of come along with that fast paced environment and the high revenue that can come from it. There's some pretty unhealthy habits that accompany that. And it's interesting because as you were talking, I was thinking of many people that I knew and that, you know, when I started out my sales career and as I kind of rose up the ranks in the corporate ladder years ago, it was fun for a while. And it's and it's fun to be a part of that. And you feel like you're right in the center of it all. But then you do start to see the the price that people are paying, um, whether it's uh, just the toll on their health and it's weight gain. And it's totally just, you know, whether it's <laughs> blood pressure medications or broken marriages, like all these things start to fall apart. You know, eventually the train comes off the tracks and you're like, it's not fun anymore. Now we're talking about lives and families and um, it starts to look really, uh, really ugly. So uh, anyways, I just as you're talking, I could imagine that part of it, um, and how what a gift it is to make it out the other side. Yeah, and instead go, okay, it's not about that; it's about something else, and I'm going to help other people see that it's about something else too. It's so true, and that's a big motivation for me is just like realizing, like again, since since I've been married and had my son, and really um, discovered, you know, God, if you will, and and just like purpose, my purpose, it, it's been um, that part, that desire to go out and rage and, you know, go, go just let off steam in the wrong ways. It's, it's, it's kind of dissipated, right? It's, it's been more of a desire, like I got to go on a run right now. Mm. Like, I got to go 
meet someone for a coffee and just talk this out. I got to go on a trip and go travel, get a weekend, get like it's healthier things. And mm-hmm. those other patterns that a lot of salespeople and, you know, stockbrokers or, you know, high achievers will, will pursue. A lot of them are unhealthy and they can destroy marriages. And, sure. you know, I'm, I'm just fortunate to be so self-aware that I, I realized where that was taking me and I was able to pivot um, course before, it, you know, had the same effect because I mean, I'm, I'm very, fortunate to have the wife that I have. And, you know, she doesn't take shit, right? She doesn't, <laughs> you know, tolerate me coming home late and, you know, not going where I am or smelling like alcohol or anything. So it's like that, like in, in being a dad and it just, I've kind of seen both sides. Like I really have seen both sides and I don't want to be on one side. That's for sure. sure. So it, uh, it helps when you've had that experience versus you're on the path and you don't even know you're on it. Yeah. You know? And recognizing that the triggers will still be there. I think sometimes people are like, oh, well, how do I remove the triggers? It's like, no, it's it's how do you change your behavior, your response to the triggers? <laughs> totally. Because the triggers are still going to be there, especially if, it, if you're in sales. And, and that's, again, this is not just a sales thing. This is just a life thing and a business thing. Like pre-planning those triggers. Okay. The trigger is going to be there, but how am I going to respond differently? And sort of walking through that in your mind so that it's not, you're not, in the moment trying to figure out how to act different and said you've planned ahead on how you're going to act different. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, 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 it's just like knowing you're, you just, um, you have to know what triggers you too. You have to know, like, you know, maybe it's traveling out of town and you, you feel like you can get away with stuff cause you're out of town and you know, and that that's a trigger you have to be aware of. Right. And make yeah. sure you're putting yourself in the right people. Like you're not going out late if you're out of town or else, you know, who knows what could happen. So sure. th- there's, there's, there's that, but there's just the self-awareness of like, here's the times when I feel like I'm triggered to go, to go do something that's out of alignment with, with me. And those times being, being a lot of times it's stress, right? It's just, you're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You have too much in your plate and you need to really, you know, plan a release. It's, it's just crazy. Cause these are the things that salespeople really face with, but don't talk about and business owners too. It's like, well, what, are, what do you do to really let go and to release, you know, mm-hmm. the part of you? Cause you can't just work all the time and go like, it's got to come out somewhere. You got to like have, you know, some healthy way of, um, you know, de-stressing. Yeah. I like the phrase that you said, plan a release. I think that's so that's a really, I, I wrote that down, plan a release. That's so good because, and that, that is something that is true in, in entrepreneurism and, and salespeople is it, it is kind of a high stakes game and there needs to be a release. And as much as we like, you know, being with their family or being with their kids, um, oftentimes that's not, it's, it doesn't dissipate that it doesn't, it, it's not the release that we need. Like we need to just just being proactive about what that release looks like yeah. um being honest about what it needs to be and then plan plan it in a really good healthy way and i like how you said a run or you know for me a lot of times it's like an endurance event and that is just so like all right let me go out for this 25 mile hike and you know i feel like i'm leaving it all on the mat and then it's this physical outlet and it's sort of this mental you know it's sort of this reset for my mindset and um but planning that plan a release that's really good totally. Couple of quick ones. Um, what do you wish you knew at the beginning? That's a great question. Um, it's so hard because you know what I learned from failures and mistakes have made me experienced, right? So if you knew it in the beginning, would you really learn it? Would you really have gotten you know the the journey and the path that that got you to where you were? And I'm so happy with where I am right now that it's hard to say I would change anything. I think. Just looking back, if I start my sales career, I think, um, you know, one of the things that I probably wished I knew earlier was that 
focus um, more time with fewer people, right? I think mm. I was really just high activity, high velocity, but something I've learned in, in sales, especially in Salesforce, where it's more strategic sell, is it's not about the quantity of transactions, it's about the quality of people. And if you can find that right change agent who's willing to you know, go, go to bat to transform their company, or if you could find that company that wants to innovate and disrupt the market and you know, take a chance with you, um, you don't need a ton of at-bats. You need the right at-bats, right? So I always used to think it was just quantity of activity. Now I really do believe it's quality of activity and the, the, you should focus a lot more on fewer people, but, but people that can make an impact, make a change, you know, the decision makers that you want to align with. Those are the people that are repeat buyers from you. Those are the ones that are your best references. Those are the ones that you can grow with. You don't need a ton of clients. You need the right clients. So that, that's definitely something I would probably um, take with me because I used to just drive, 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 activity, activity. And that led to a lot of burnout and stress and some of the stuff we just talked yeah. about. But it, you don't have to work that hard. You have to work smart and focused. Yeah, that's so. that's really good. Um, So one other, uh, uh, well, I guess two, two follow-up questions, then we'll be wrapped up. But you have a strong presence on social media. And you've talked a little bit about how, how that started. Has that helped you a lot? I'm just kind of curious from either from a personal perspective or a business perspective, does having a pretty strong uh, presence on social media help? I think there's, um, it does for sure. Cause you know, one of the things I've been doing this year is I made a commitment as part of that roller coaster experience. Um, I made a commitment to produce a video every single day on Instagram and I am now almost nine months. I started March 1st and I'm almost nine months and I haven't missed a day. And wow. so just having a commitment that you're willing to do every single day, that act of, of, uh, really it builds your discipline, right? So me being disciplined enough to make a video is is really speaks volumes. And I've been in all kinds of situations where I didn't feel like doing it. It could have been a hard day or it could have been out late or whatever, but I still did it, right? So that gives you confidence in yourself when you're able to follow through on your commitments. The second thing is like a lot of times on my videos, what I'm talking about is things where I need my own coaching, right? So for me, it's, it's really about um, following my own lead, right? To lead others, I must first lead myself. That's one of the things I say is my morning affirmation. And so like being the leader and, and leading by example and doing the things that I'm teaching, if I'm out telling people what to do and I'm not doing it myself, it makes me a hypocrite. So just that accountability, it's not just what I'm saying. It's the fact, am I following my own advice? Am I doing things as I'm doing things? Am I sharing it out? Right. So it's kind of forcing me to be accountable to what I'm saying because I don't want to lie or be a hypocrite or not basically do the things that I'm teaching others to do. So it's, it's those are the two things that's taught me really is like discipline number one and just um, being a leader and following, you know, leading myself uh, essentially, wow. which has been, it's been huge. That's good. I love that to lead others. I must first lead myself. Um, Ian, what's next for you? What, what lays ahead as we look, whether that's three months from now or three years from now, what, what's in the future? Yeah. So it's, thank you for asking. I think for, for me, you know, I, I, I've really started to realize that being able to perform at this level consistently in sales, I can't keep this stuff to myself. I can't just, you know, I can make make all this money and buy a bunch of real estate and have a great life for myself. But wh where is the true power in living your gifts? It's, it's sharing, it's teaching. And there are literally millions of salespeople that would love to know and to follow a playbook of how to be successful in sales. And so what I really want to do is write that playbook. I want to be known as the you know, the, the, the Babe Ruth of, of sales, of B2B sales, of tech sales, right? Strategic sales. And, um, 
you know, part of that has been going on and appearing on these podcasts and really getting my name out there, building a social media following. I've been posting videos. Uh, if you're on LinkedIn, uh, I'm posting videos at least once, maybe twice a week on LinkedIn that are specific to business and sales and for account executives and entrepreneurs. Um, Instagram, same thing. But what I really want to do is take this following and ultimately make it a little more digestible. Instead of just having a random video, actually have a series of videos that um, support you know a skill that you're trying to build. So I'm putting together a course. Uh, I'm finishing out my my Q4 right now in my job at Salesforce. But uh, starting in February, I'm really going to uh, pivot to creating this course uh, or a few courses that I'm going to be um, offering online to you know to anyone. So be it advanced selling, strategic selling, or or basic influence and sales skills. I'm I'm going to have three skills. One will be or three courses. One will be on uh, success habits and some of the stuff we talked about that are universal. The other will be on entry-level selling and influence skills, and then it'll be strategic selling. And I'll be able to really have a program that I can use uh, to deliver value at a cost, of course, and monetize um, you know, the information. And part of that course um, will be access to all the modules. It'll be a self-paced course where people can consume the information in bite-sized chunks the way that they want to, where they want to. And then the other part of that is I'll be offering up office hours where I'll be able to um, answer questions every every couple of weeks. I'll have uh, office hours where you come on and ask me questions about your deals or the content or really anything. Um, and I'll record all those office hours and, and put it on my um, my portal where the training is. So I'm not going to do it full time. I plan to stay at Salesforce. I feel like I'm playing in the big leagues right now and I'm at the peak of my career. So to leave that just to become a teacher doesn't feel mm-hmm. so aligned, but I really am looking to make a business of my passion for sales. And that's really what's next for me. That's awesome, Ian. I'm so glad you uh, you shared that. It makes it makes complete sense, and I love that. You know, to your point, you're saying at Salesforce while you're doing it, uh, what you're doing every day is so relevant to what you're going to be teaching. So it makes complete sense that it's like, hey, these things really augment one another. One helps the other um, in both in both ways. Um, in, in closing, where can people find you if people want a whole lot more of Ian Koniak, Where should they go? Yeah, the the first place is just Instagram. Um, if you want to see my videos, there. Uh, it's, there's a series on Instagram TV called Untap Your Full Potential. If you go to Ian Koniak, that's I-A-N-K-O-N-I-A-K on Instagram, um, you can find me. Or if uh, you don't want the daily videos, but you want more business-oriented um, and sales-oriented videos, um, then go to my LinkedIn profile. Just search for Ian Koniak, and I produce a video there every day. Just connect with me um, on LinkedIn. And if there's anything that I could help you with or you know that you're interested in learning, um, just, just reach out and I'm happy to connect one-on-one with you. That is awesome. And we'll put the links in our show notes as well. So Ian, thank you so much for, for talking with us and having this chat today. I, I took a lot of notes myself, so many great insights. And I loved your, your roller coaster story and how that was a pivot for you. And I appreciate you showing up and just being honest and vulnerable about your path because that's where that's where we find ourselves, right? Is the honest sort of backstory of, hey, here's where I was, here's how I got here, and here are the the pieces that helped me get here. So I really appreciate uh, you talking with us today. Absolutely. Great to be on and congrats on what you're doing, April, and uh, excited to continue working together and having our paths cross as we both uh, build out what, what we're doing. So Absolutely. it's great, great to be on this journey with you. 
I love speaking with sales expert and friend Ian Koniak. I love how he comes to us on assuming and real, how he speaks openly about his struggle to become a great manager, and also the path he took to enjoy the life he earned. A couple of my favorite lines when I look back at this interview were first when he said, in sales, my raise became effective when I am. I love that line. And that that concept is something that people that aren't in sales sometimes can struggle with. It sometimes can be hard to understand because sales is not about effort. It's not about checking boxes and getting financially rewarded because you showed up. Even if that means you showed up for 12-hour days, you may work very hard, but so do washing machines. What matters is, are you effective? And in sales, when you want more money, you need to be effective. The other thing that Ian said, there's so many quotable lines in there, but a second one that I keep coming back to is when he said, in relation to management and his his transition over to management, he said, there are people that get motivation from elsewhere and you can't just keep hammering someone and expect them to work the way you do. It just doesn't work like that. And new managers, hell, even old managers, make this mistake all the time. We expect people to be motivated by the same things that we are. I have worked with countless business owners that have no idea what motivates their people. I've had many, many business owners tell me, well, they get a paycheck. Isn't that motivation enough? And let me be clear on that answer. No, not for peak performance. A paycheck alone will get you some mediocrity. Money will get them to show up at work on time, but it won't get them to deliver their best. Understand what motivates people. And that's true whether it's your team or, or your children. If you understand what motivates them, then that's when you can get the, the real performance out of them. Um, I, I hesitate to use the word peak performance with your children, but how you can get them to deliver at their best. So in relation to a team, oftentimes it's a feeling of being part of something bigger, a vision that they believe in. And then us as business owners forget to communicate the vision to them We've all been guilty of it. We've all been there. So we've got this clear vision in our head and we forget to actually communicate that to our people. And many people are motivated by sharing your vision. So understand what motivates that individual and leverage it for peak performance. As for now, definitely hop over to Ian's Instagram at instagram.com backslash Ian Koniak, I-A-N-K-O-N-I-A-K. He's very active on there, very inspirational, real. It's a rare opportunity to follow around a very successful person that's still super candid, super just an approachable guy who happens to also be a peak performer. Join us next week as we dive into how the newest person in the room can still add the most value. How your services, your fees need to be tied to the value you bring and what the marketplace will pay. Join us next week to understand how. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors, and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys.